Welcome back to the What's Your One More podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Harris, and here we are sitting at close to episode 70. This might even be episode 70. We record so many at one time, I'm not sure, but it's hard to believe we've gotten to this on the way to 100. And I uh, just want to say thank you guys for joining us on this ride. It's been an amazing journey and uh, really appreciate all the feedback and comments you guys have been putting out on our social channels and on YouTube as well. And if you haven't checked us out on YouTube, uh, check us out at What's Your One More with Number One on our YouTube channel. Subscribe, leave some comments, and the same thing for our socials at What's Your One More with the Number One. Uh, a lot of good feedback on there, and it's it's kind of cool to see the differences of opinions as well as other people's insight that sometimes we don't even pick up on the show. And so uh, I really appreciate that. Keep that up. Uh, it's definitely driving us to, uh, to to think about further topics as we delve into this. So let's hop right into this. You know, I talk about, I think the name of this episode that uh, they're going to end up naming this is 32 going on 33. I could be wrong. But what we mean by that is, you know, we did a complete breakdown of the Federal Reserve and what implications the raising of these short-term interest rates at such a rapid amount and so quickly over time has put into the regional banking system, specifically when it comes to deposits versus is taking those deposits and yielding a return by going to get, you know, um, some sort of long-term asset out there. And we've talked so much about that, I'm not going to go into it again. And, and if you want to recap on that, just go a few episodes back to 67, you can get a complete breakdown of what we were talking about on there. But um, one of the things that I think we probably didn't give enough credit towards, or more importantly, didn't give enough attention to, is the national deficit. Yesterday, we clipped $32 trillion dollars in national deficit. And so um, while that number seems like, I feel like even like when it rolls off my tongue, I'm like, oh, it's just $32 trillion. Um, that's a lot. And when I break this down in just a minute, you know, I hope it shocks you as much as it did me and, and our producer when we were going through this on the pre-show. But I mean, <laughs> it was funny because I think we, we kind of like all went towards the the ideology of like Austin Powers when the bad guy was like, oh, $1 million. And they're like, oh, $1 million during that time, no big deal. And he was like, $100 million. And it was like, oh, that's a big number. Well, 30, think about this. Think about what we're about to break down here in the form of, of, of trillion dollars. You know, when you think about the burn rate to get to a trillion dollars, and what I mean by burn rate is how much you got to spend for that to happen. Let's just put this down and, and think about this for a second. If you were to spend a million dollars a day, just $1 million a day, um, that would take you over 2,700 years to accumulate $1 trillion. I mean, and we got 32 of those. To take it a step further, I mean, 2,700 years, what are we in year 2023? I mean, we're talking before Christ. We're, we're, we couldn't achieve a trillion dollars if we were to spend it each day after, you know, before Christ. That's just, that is astonishing to me to go a little further that if you were to spend a dollar every second of every minute of every hour of every day, that would take you over 312,000 years to get a trillion dollars accumulated. If you did a million every hour of every day, that would take you 411 years to get to $1 trillion. Again, we're talking about 32 trillion dollars in debt. And, you know, you go back to what happened a couple of weeks ago, you know, where Congress and, and the president worked together to to lift the, the, the deficit, right? Lift the ceiling that was put on the debt ceiling that was put on the deficit. Well, that's something that, you know, we've repetitively have done time over time over time. You know, and I was talking to a couple of uh, people before that episode and they're like, oh yeah, no big deal. They're just going to raise it. They always do. They wait to the last minute. And they're right. That That's because that is exactly what happens, except in this case, they suspended 
they suspended the debt ceiling and meaning that they took the cap off and that they could go ahead and proceed forward with with spending, you know, with, with spending percents, you know, you can't spend more than 1% of this on that, but they took the cap off, meaning that we're going to add more to it. And currently, you know, we're at $2 trillion a year on a budget. But let's let's be honest. It's probably going to be closer to like two and a half is at the rate in which we're going here. And the reason I can confidently feel like I can say that is because every year, you know, we spend more than we account for. That's why we have a deficit. We don't have a surplus because we're not spending less than we account for. So, you know, when I take a look at this, you know, there's a website called the National. I think it's called. Let me look at NationalDebtClock.org. Uh, if you really want an eye-opening experience, and go to that site. It's just a. It's just a screen with the debt clock going a thousand miles an hour, showing you how fast we're accumulating it, and also has like the GDP and what the GDP is accounting for on the other side, and just it breaks down all kinds of things. But one of the things that it breaks down is that the interest payment on this debt alone. Right, the interest payment on the debt alone currently is almost about to breach six hundred billion dollars. That, that kind of was mind-boggling there. When I think about that, $600 billion, you know, last year, that number was $475 billion. That's what it finished at. That was like $1.3 billion a day, uh, $1.3 billion a day. And so when I take a look at this, I'm like, well, who gets that? Where does that interest go? Like, who's getting paid that? You know, is it just the government paying the government? I mean, what is that? And, you know, and, and this is money that Treasury has borrowed from outside lenders through the financial, uh, through, excuse me, through the financial markets. But they are paying back the public, you know, business pension and mutual funds, state and local governments. Um, and then more importantly, you know, more, more importantly, but one of the things we all think about is foreign entities and that the foreign entities account, the foreign creditors account for a third of that debt. So they're receiving a third of that payment. And, you know, when I take a look at this, that $475 billion at $1.3 billion a day in 2022, you know, when you look at some of these things that really came up during those, those debt ceiling crisis talks, right? Well, some of the things they were really hammering home, both sides were, hey, listen, we're going to default on Social Security. We're going to default on VA benefits. We're going to default on food stamps. Well, let's put some of this in perspective in here. I mean, the Social Security budget is $1.2 trillion a year. So a third of that a third of that is our credit is basically what we're paying creditors. It's the debt ceiling that we're paying on that. Excuse me. It's the, um, it's the interest being paid on that to creditors, you know, VA benefits, $140 billion, food stamps, $119 billion. And yet in 2022, we have an interest payment of 475 billion. The congressional budget office is estimating here in 2023, that's going to jump to $663 billion before it's all over with. And in 2024, they're suggesting it's going to be $745 billion. If you forward all the way out to 2030, is the number they have on there, that number starts with a one point something trillion dollars. And the reason they're confidently saying that is in the short term, we've got interest rates higher, way higher than they were back in 2020 and 2021. Some of this debt is coming due, meaning it's maturing, which means it's going to have to be put on another instrument at another interest rate, which happens to be a much higher interest rate than it was 2020. I mean, if you think about it, it's five times higher than it was in 2020. And so they can forecast that out and show that that debt is going to be uh, higher in the form of interest payments. And that also, they also believe that during that time, we're going to accumulate more debt. So the compounding effect starts to take over. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator 
and an advisor. And the team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com, www.boemortgage.com, because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. I believe in our first 10 episodes where Alex Stewart from the Market Distillery sat down with me and we had a really, really good conversation on basically the, the, the Federal Reserve and, and the handcuffs that they're getting ready to put on themselves if they were to raise interest rates at a rapid rate over a quick, over a specific short-term period of time, which is exactly what they did. And one of the pieces of the conversations we talked about was that, you know, they're actually hurting themselves by doing that because raising those interest rates applies more pressure to the national debt, which at the time, I believe was at $30 trillion. We're getting ready to be there. And we talked about how that would, they could almost outprice themselves out of the market. And here we are right now. And I'm not saying they've outpriced themselves out of the market, but what I'm saying is I also think Jerome Powell is very aware of this as well. And I think when we talk about the fishing with dynamite or pushing the envelope as far as you can to the brink of where things could go wrong, this could be one of those situations as well. Because the last thing we want to do is is create a situation where the interest payments are so you know robust that you have a problem paying those because now your deficit, or excuse me, now your budget's like you know in the three point nine trillion dollars per year. And so I think that's something they have to account for that obviously they are. Now, going back to the whole um, interest rates on these things, one of the things, or interest rates on the national debt, one of the things we talked about was that, you know, in 2020 and 2021, interest rates were, I think, like what, like 1% on some of this long-term debt, and in some cases down to 0.3. It does bode the question why some of that couldn't have been refinanced during that time. We had Rob Christman uh, on the show, and I think at, back in like episode 30 or so from the capital markets, where he talked about that some of that debt was refinanced, and probably because it matured, it was refinanced in perfect timing, but why the rest of it wasn't done like that. That uh, bodes the question, why not, right? Because that probably could have helped. And, and one of the studies that Alex and I were talking about in that episode was that there are there are facts and stats that show that when the GDP to national deficit, I guess it would be the national deficit to GDP ratio, meaning your debt to how much income you're bringing in exceeds 129%, negative 129, that is, you have a problem on your hands that because you become such a drag, the debt becomes a drag on the economy. Um, and in our case, we're at 121 right now. So 129 is that danger zone on there. And you've seen it happen in countries like Japan, where I believe theirs is closer to like 180 right now. And the reason that's a problem is because you can see how it, it becomes hard to have facilitate new growth. Uh, your your GDP is never going to outrun the amount of income you bring in. Doesn't outrun the debt you're spending. Then that starts to put you know um, stress on the monetary system, and the weakening of your monetary system starts to happen. And you start to see that, and this becomes a drag on the economy. And we are getting very close to that, which poses the question: like, well, okay, Quentin, I see you're breaking all of this down, and you're giving us all these numbers and all these facts, but like, what's your solution? And so that's a good question. And, and I, don't, I don't have particularly like a bulletproof solution, but I do know in the past, history has showed us that there are administrations 
that can actually operate with a surplus versus a deficit. And, you know, if you look at the Clinton administration, you know, hats off, did a wonderful job of getting that down to a surplus and actually reducing the deficit, which was something that we haven't seen since the Clinton administration. But some perspective from George Washington to Bill Clinton, $4 trillion in total national deficit. From Bill Clinton exit to President Biden, which you go Trump, Obama, Bush, you've got eight times, eight times the national deficit versus when Clinton left office. And I think what, what, what we've seen when you go back and you look at that is that you can reduce the national budget. There are ways to get it done. And some of it was done through some really creative financing of the debt because they were able to take some of it and put it on shorter terms and put it on lower interest rates. And that helped reduce, you know, the credit payouts on that. But it also was a lower payment on there as well. And they also were able to do some things that no one else wants to do or hear about, which is, you know, they did raise taxes in that case. And a lot of people weren't happy with that, but you had a much lower national deficit. I'm not suggesting you got to raise tax, but I'm saying that was one of the ways they were able to do that. And at the same time, refinance that debt as it became mature, uh, mature on shorter terms and, sh and lower interest rates, which did pay dividends for them. But I will say this, when I look at this, I think this is continue and further supporting evidence that the Federal Reserve has backed themselves into a corner that I think is this fishing with dynamite example. I think this is a part of that well that's coming to the surface is that when you start to do things that really impact what's going on at home in a negative way, all of the banking system, specifically the regional banking system, and now the national deficit applying pressure to the interest payments, I think you are starting to see signs of the Federal Reserve. No matter what Jerome Powell said today on the podium when he came out, and I believe it was to Congress today when he said, yeah, you know, we still see potential. We're not happy with where inflation is. We could see two more hikes. Um, that we could see and we will do are two different things. And I think that they're not trying to show their hands. I think that was a smoke signal to the markets. And I do believe that the pause we saw Pending the PCE reading on the 30th of this month, which if it comes in at expectations or slightly lower, you can bet they're going to pause again in July. And I think we're starting to see the start of quantitative easing because that's what the Federal Reserve likes and that's what the Federal Reserve has been addicted to since they've done this in the 90s. So uh, I do believe that is on the way and that's part of kind of what we're seeing unfold of right now in front of us. Guys, if you like what you're hearing on this podcast, five-star review us, please share it. Uh, go down to Apple Podcasts, leave some comments for us like you guys are doing on YouTube. We greatly appreciate it. I don't know if you guys have been to Spotify recently, but they have a really cool feature where they're implementing the video that we're doing in with the podcast. So you can watch the video and see it all happen right. We're doing the studio right in front of you on the screen as well. It's a pretty cool feature. And then obviously we're on Google Podcasts and Amazon as well. Check us out on our socials, guys, at What's Your One More with number one. Till then, guys, we'll see you on the next episode. I got one more shot, I'm gonna make it. One more chance, I'm gonna take it I meant it when I said it, now it's time for me to do it I got one life to live, so I put all into it, yeah